Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, your RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a big how-do to everyone who's tuning us in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hi to those of you joining us on our live stream on YouTube. And uh, those of you in the live chat on our Strange Planet YouTube channel. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes. And I thank you for your fine company. Ray Hernandez is here and uh, stays with us for the entire hour. He's one of the four co-founders of Free, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary experiences, and Ray has published several peer-reviewed academic articles on consciousness and the Free Experiencer Research Study. He was a co-editor of an 820-page book titled Beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence, and he's also, again, one of the featured speakers at this year's UFO Megacon happening March 24th to the 30th in Laughlin, Nevada. And if you go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, and then go to the Conspiracy Show page, all the details for the UFO Megacon conference are there on the front page. Just scroll down past tonight's show info, and you'll see a poster there for UFO Megacon and a link and information on how to register and a list, uh, an, a list of the uh, impressive lineup of speakers, and uh, Ray Hernandez, of course, being one of them. Now, uh, before the break, oh, incidentally, let me give you the phone numbers here. If you'd like to call in with a question or comment regarding uh, the uh, the work of Ray Hernandez, Ray Hernandez, and and um, uh, and free, we're not looking for. Uh, your UFO sightings and so forth. We're exploring some of the commonalities uh, between UFO alien encounters, contact, and other contact modalities, such as near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, and we'll get into some of those later. The numbers to call in the greater Toronto area, 416-360- 0740 again in Toronto and surrounding areas 416 360 0740 and toll free from just about anywhere 1 866 740 4740 1 866 740 4740 so uh before the break ray we were talking again about the um, the commonalities between near death experiences and um, contact, uh, but I had asked you whether you know or why people ex- some people experience what sounds more like a near death experience, other others experience as some sort of alien contact, and I asked you if it was cultural. You said no. You said it's um, but this is such a complicated. Um, thing to try and, you know, unravel. And you wanted to give me an example, uh, before the break. Uh, I just wanted you to continue on before we move on to the next area of discussion. Yeah, I just want to emphasize that the clear difference between both phenomena is that one involves 
you know, uh, death, that you either have died or you're very, very close to dying. Um, however, in our research study, uh, um, we've, we've discovered that uh, the people who have had UFO-related contact experiences, 80% have had an out-of-body experience, okay? And again, uh, these out-of-body experiences are, are uh, that's the first component of a near-death experience. When you have an NDE, you pop out of your body, you're seeing your body underneath, you know, usually in the hospital or an operating table or where you died. Um, I have a, a, a deacon at our church. He fell from uh, a ladder on, on his roof, and he was floating out of his body, watching his body underneath and the ladder on the floor. And then uh, the crowd coming, and even saw the ambulance coming. Um, so that's extremely common, and it's also 80% of the people that took our study. Regarding the people that had an NDE experience, annual full contact experience, again, it was a huge number. It was 37%. So uh, somehow the, the NDE experience for, uh, for many people happened previous to the UFO contact experience. So uh, what we suspect that it might involve a triggering mechanism, um, uh, a consciousness triggering mechanism. Um, in terms of telepathic communications, 78% of the people in our survey, people, again, that have seen UFOs and have had contact with non-human intelligence, 78% stated that they have had telepathic um, uh, thought conferences or direct knowing or, or information given by some type of a non-human intelligence. Again, that's how NDE communication takes place, telepathically. Uh, we've had 50% of the people that were brought to matrix realities, okay, 50% of the people. Past life memories, 66% stated that they had a past life memory. 76% have seen a ghost or a spirit. 46% um, stated that they received a glimpse of heaven or they were brought to the spirit world, okay, uh, 67% of the people have seen orbs. 21% um, have had objects in their house just move around the house without any logical explanation. 25% um, have seen uh, objects uh, which are called A-ports, objects that just mysteriously appear. Um, one of my best friends here in Miami, he has a whole collection of A-ports. <laughs> Um, and A-ports is a phenomenon that's been studied by parapsychology for many, many years now. So it's, it was, it's been scientifically uh, studied and, and accepted by, uh, by the field of parapsychology. Um, so these are just some of the examples of the paranormal experiences that, are, that people are having. But I could literally go on all night talking about individuals that have had UFO-related contact, and most of their experiences revolve around paranormal experiences. They might have seen a little gray. They might have seen, you know, some other type of physical being. They might have seen UFOs, okay? But the overwhelming majority of their experiences involve paranormal experiences. And that's what mainstream ufology just not does not understand. The UFO uh, experience or researchers know this, but they're never able, we're never able to quantify it like we have. Right. I wanted to ask you, now, when you go to UFO Megacon, and there are a lot of people there who, uh, you know, firmly believe that there are alien or extraterrestrial civilizations that are interacting, interacting with human civilization. Do some of them, are there some in the UFO community 
who get upset and think that you're maybe you're blurring the lines and that you're kind of I mean, let's be honest, for some of these people, it is almost akin to a religion that ETs are here, uh, that they seeded our human civilization and so forth. How do they perceive some of them your work? Do some of them get upset? Well, first of all, let me backtrack. Uh, physical non-human intelligence are very real, perceived physical non-human intelligence. So Jacques Vallée, you know, has stated that, um, Alan Hynek and all these other researchers, that the physical aspects of non-human intelligence, that's very, very real. As I said it before, 51% of the people have seen these short grays, okay? But I could literally tell you several hundred different types of entities that people are seeing, okay? Um, uh, I could tell you that a, um, a medical doctor, okay, has seen uh, the Egyptian god with the dog head, okay? This is a practicing medical doctor, okay? Um, we have another medical doctor that has seen uh, a large entity that can be considered an angel that grew gigantic in front of him with other witnesses, okay? Another medical doctor. We have a retired IBM engineer uh, who... Uh, or, um, um, that um, the Indian god with the elephant head, okay, uh, Ganesh, okay? Yes. Uh, and also we have a retired DEA federal drug agent and his wife, who's a PhD psychologist. They also saw Ganesh, okay? So these are just illustrations of what I'm telling you, that people are seeing literally thousands of different types of entities. Now, the issue now is whether these entities are real entities or they, might they be holographic projections, okay? Um, because what people are seeing, you know, in the sky, UAPs, we don't call them UFOs, because the vast majority of the types of, um, of, of, um, of sightings that people are seeing are not typical saucers, you know, or UFOs that, you, you know, we've all come to understand is, is a UFO. The vast majority of people are seeing... Um, um, the vast majority of different types of light displays, okay, that morph and change and grow in size, different types of huge orbs. Um, where, for example, let me just give you an example. I was talking to an experiencer on the phone, and I told him that my wife sees this through a Catholic religious lens, right? He then goes outside. He sees these huge orbs in the sky. He starts taking pictures of them. And what do they have in the middle? Crosses, <laughs> okay? Um uh, uh, Becky Andreessen, one, uh, uh, the famous uh, contactee uh, from Raymond Fowler's books, okay, she sent me a whole bunch of pictures of orbs with crosses in them, and she was a devout Catholic, she and her mother, okay. So the, the, the point that I'm getting at is that are these visualizations that people are seeing, are they really Ganesh? Or are they really, you know, the, the Egyptian god Anubis with the dog head, okay? Or are they something else? Are they some type of projection from some type of non-human intelligence that we don't understand? Okay? So to answer your question, yes, there is a physicality to this. No one denies it. Uh, uh, the vast majority of the beings people are seeing are the small grays. 37% are seeing the, um, the tall grays. Uh, the reptilians is like 22%. People are also seeing the, um, the mantid beings, the insectoid uh, type of beings. And as I said, uh, hundreds and hundreds of different other types of beings. So uh, anyone that tells you that they've got answers to this phenomenon, they're totally clueless. Because this is uh, the world's biggest jigsaw puzzle 
that might take several um, um, several generations to be able to begin to find out what what questions to even ask for this. Right. I guess my my point was though that there there is uh, there are you know people who are definite in their opinions about the fact that these are extraterrestrial civilizations that we're interacting with and yeah. and I'm just wondering whether they 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 may be they may feel somewhat threatened by your type of research because they may perceive that you're sort of undermining that world view well um, that's uh, I agree with that there's a lot of people in, in the few lectures that I've given that have come out and says, look, I've gone to so many UFO conferences and I've never heard anything of the, what, you're, what you're saying. And my response was that you point to me an academic research study about what you're telling me. It's never done. What you have is, you know, people like Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs and these other abductee researchers that uh, the most that they've ever worked with, self-admittedly, is 200 people. And how do they work with, with people in hypnotic regression uh, in their living rooms, okay? That's not academic research. So that's what people are getting their information from, from these hypnotic regressions that are putting people in their uh, living room table, and, you know, many of them uh, are known to have asked leading questions. So, you know, that's where the source of this information is coming from. Now, people have seen these entities, physical entities, people have had these, have been aboard a UFO craft. That's undeniable. That exists, but what also needs to be understood is that that is just a small component of what people have told us, okay? Um, the the uh, typical abduction scenarios, as I said, is only one-third of the right. type of experiences that people are having. Let's talk about another contact modality and, and the parallels between remote viewing. Sure. Um, well, r- r- um, uh, the audience members might not know that Edgar Mitchell was one of the individuals that actually um, was instrumental in uh, laying the groundwork, the foundation for remote viewing. Uh, Edgar was at the Stanford Research Institute, um, and he was the one that had been communicating with um, with Russell Targ and, and Hal Putoff at Stanford because Edgar was studying the side phenomenon and consciousness. And then... Um, um, he was given information about this uh, Israeli um, intelligence person that they were using to psychically spy um, on, on other Arab countries, and that was Yuri Geller. And he was told that information by U.S. intelligence. So um, the intelligence agencies here in the U.S. got together with the Israeli intelligence agencies. So Edgar went to Israel to interview this man convince them to come into the U.S. to be able to be studied. So that's how, you know, remote viewing began. Then later on, they brought in Ingo Swan, and then they began to formally develop the, the mechanics. Uh, uh, Jacques Vallée helped with that as well. A lot of people don't know that, um, to begin to develop remote viewing. Now, remote viewing can be thought of, again, as a... Uh, um, uh, involving consciousness, just like these other phenomenon that we just spoke about. It involves uh, somehow your your consciousness, your thought, your non-material body going to another location, physically going to another location where you're actually seeing, uh, visually seeing with, with your consciousness. Um, 
what, what you were told uh, is in those coordinates. Um, astral travel has been also commonalities. People that uh, go out of their bodies have OBEs, and uh, in their consciousness they travel to other locations. And many people that have done OBEs, and I've spoken with many, many of these individuals, um, they're able to, for example, one guy will come out of, to my house, uh, one of my best friends who I never even knew uh, was doing this, um, and he'll tell me, you know, the neighbor came home that night at this time, his car is, is uh, such color, He was his wife beating him at the door and was like yelling at him or something, you know. So it's um, um, these things are being done all the time by individuals, except uh, they don't talk to anyone else about it. My best, my best friend is a major experiencer. He never talks about it. He's a retired DEA federal agent. Uh, my other friend, who has very little education, he's the guy that does these out-of-body experiences. Also, uh, a man at our church who's teaching all these high-level religious classes is having constant OBEs. Um, and so many other people that I spoke with. So, again, it's the issue of consciousness, where your, your thoughts, your, um, your spiritual entity, whatever you might want to call it, is being transported to another location, and you're visually seeing what's going on. Uh, I want to ask you about, you mentioned in the, um, in the literature at Free, the, the quantum hologram paradigm, and you sort of alluded to it earlier. Uh, the quantum hologram paradigm. I'm wondering if the if there's any similarity between the quantum para, uh, quantum hologram paradigm and um, a theory that's been posited by by people like Nick Bostrom and and uh, Jim Elvich who I've had on the program. The idea that we might be living in a a uh, a virtual reality or a digital simulation. Are you talking about the same thing here? It's it's different um, components, but it might be the same thing. Okay, now just to let you know, a good majority of the members of Free, the scientists, we're talking about the physicists, the astrophysicists, and the uh, the psi researchers, um, they are leaning towards that hypothesis that we might be living in a um, a simulation, simulation reality. Um, I also have that hypothesis as well. I'm not a a physicist or a scientist, but in conversations with some of the, um, we have four physicists in our organization that are all studying the paranormal. Um, you know, they've convinced me that that's a very, very viable theory. Now, in terms of the quantum hologram theory, uh, that's a theory that Edgar had been working on for more than 20 years with a team of more than 40 physicists around the world that were friends with Edgar that we're trying to come up with a theory of, of consciousness, how it works. And it's extremely complex, but in our first book, Beyond UFOs, we had a very simplistic explanation um, uh, written by Edgar, and, and uh, that chapter that chapter article was titled uh, The Quantum Hologram, Nature's Mind. Okay, In our next book, and hopefully we'll get some time to talk about our next book, which is a theoretical book, we're going to be putting in there a much more elaborate and um, scientific and uh, physics-oriented article with uh, numerous uh, citations of, of physicists uh, that Edgar wrote. It's an extremely comprehensive um, article, and it talks about um, uh, what might be consciousness and how it operates. And it deals with um, our reality is a, a holographic, multidimensional reality. 
and that um, our um, multiverse, our cosmology, is filled with um, uh, information fields, which uh, was first um, developed by a um, by a, a PhD physicist who uh, 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 was a physicist at the, the um, uh, at one of the major um, uh, NASA facilities, and also at Stanford and at Berkeley. Um, his name was um, Bernard Hache, and that was also um, uh, further developed jointly with Hal Putoff uh, as well. Um, and it's a, a theory that our reality is filled with information. Rudy uh, is working on the corollary of that, and that's with black holes, because Rudy was the first one more than 25 years ago to write a scientific uh, paper saying that black holes are information uh, depositories, that information is being stored in a black hole like a, like a, hard, like a, a mainframe computer. Okay. Ah, and what that, we used to call the Akashic Record, or some still yeah, do. Correct, perhaps. exactly. Listen, that's what, that's what, Ray, I've got to take, I've got to take another time out. We'll come back. We'll get to some questions and uh, comments from listeners and a few people in the YouTube chat as well have questions for you. Let's do that on the other side. Ray Hernandez, one of the co-founders of Free, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, Ray Hernandez is uh, with us, and uh, let's go to the calls. Uh, Paul is checking in. Paul, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Hi, Richard. Thank you for taking my call. This is Paul from Oshawa. Hi, Richard. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, hi, Ray. How are you? Very well, Paul. Ray, uh, quick question. Uh, I'm an experiencer. Uh, I've seen many UFOs, many great starting in 2003, and it hasn't stopped. Uh, been followed by black helicopters just after it really started in 2003, 2004. Just to, uh, through the years, I've noticed, uh, things happening down here on the ground with, uh, the hydro, uh, a lot of power outages, flickering of lights being followed by uh, lights brightly along a row of different lights, like, say, uh, in a building. Um, so my question is, uh, uh, you know, with even machines malfunctioning and such, and when I'm talking to people about stuff, the light above me may be brightly flickering on and off. Um, am I being monitored uh, by possibly an intel agency, or is it other? Um, what you've just mentioned um, it was frequently mentioned by the vast majority of the people that took our surveys. Even people with NDEs, um, uh, a professor at, at the University of Virginia Medical School, Dr. Bruce Grayson, who's one of the world's leading authorities on NDEs, um, in an interview he told the story of several experiences that he knew were walking under telephone lights, and all of a sudden one light will go on, the other one will go off continue walking and go on and off. Uh, they can't wear electronic devices. They can't wear uh, watches. Their batteries get drained immediately, even though they put the battery in, you know, a few days ago. Uh, in terms of these lights that you see that are following you, 
that's extremely common with UFO contact experiencers. Uh, this is not, uh, you know, military intelligence. <laughs> Uh, that the, um, these are non-human intelligence, and, um, and and they're interacting with you. And the way they interact with you is really high strangeness. Um, you can't really explain it, you know, it's, uh, because it, it's uh, um, they're doing different flickering of lights at the sky, paranormal experiences in your home. You know, there's no logical explanation for that now at this point. All right, Paul, thank you for checking in. Let's go back to the quantum hologram paradigm. The idea that we might be, one possible explanation is we might be living in a digital simulation. Uh, is it then possible? I guess <laughs> we're in the, we're in the realm of speculation here. Anything is possible. But the idea that in this digital simulation theory, that what we're, when we see a UFO or when we see an angel or when we see a ghost or Bigfoot, uh, we're, we're seeing an artifact uh, that is being placed in this simulation. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that that artifact is real, does it? Correct. That, 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 that's the puzzle that so many members of our organization are facing with, <laughs> that question that you just posed, because um, uh, the hypotheses I said before, most of the members of our organization is that um, um, that we suspect that these are projections from some other type of multiverse. These are multidimensional experiences. Now, within that, there are physical, you know, terrestrial uh, type of uh, encounters that people are encountering as well. And I think that's where the lemma lies. You know, where do you draw the line of something being terrestrial and quote-unquote real? And then what are these other types of, of paranormal experiences? where um, people are seeing hundreds, thousands of different types of entities and different types of light manipulations in the sky, but these might be projections from source, you know, from our, our creator, some other type of non-human intelligence that's, uh, that's interacting with us. We, we, don't, we really don't know. You know, the, that's why we need to continue to be able to do uh, academic research and among the different contact modalities. And we're just starting. We're just starting to do that uh, with uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Long, Dr. Raymond Moody, and a couple of other uh, OBE researchers as well. We're just beginning to do that. All right, Michael from Toronto has joined us again. Uh, Michael, let's have another go. Michael, are you there? Can you hear me now? I can. Yes, you're on the line with Ray Hernandez. Go ahead. Excellent. Okay, Ray, and uh, uh, hello, Ray Hernandez, and, uh, and hi, Richard. And uh, uh, first of all, I have to say, uh, it, it, this is not uh, something I, I, I follow as, uh, you know, uh, as a regular thing. I mean, I, I, I'm finding it extremely interesting, and I have to commend you, uh, Ray, with uh, <laughs> all your information because you got all the, the, the good statistics to back it up, which is rare in a lot of uh, topics of this type of thing. And, but uh, what I, my point is that, uh, and, and you mentioned something about some IBM guy earlier, but I worked for IBM for a while, and I was on this management course. They taught us how to do self-hypnosis, and I actually did cross into the next dimension. And I was curious, uh, given some of the things you talk about, uh, because that one is more self-induced relative to 
some of the things that you talk about, people having this conscious thing and they go off from this other dimensional thing. But when you self-induce it, it through self-hypnosis, um, what, what's your feeling on that? Excellent well, question. That, that, that's extremely common. Uh, we are calling it mystical meditation. Um, it's by the, the people that do advanced meditation, you know, yogis, a lot of individuals in the ancient Eastern tradition, um, you know, people in the Buddhist philosophy. Um, there are literally thousands and thousands of stories of people popping up of their body and traveling to other dimensions, other realities. And again, in many of those cases, interacting with non-human intelligence. You could also think of it, you know, like remote viewing. <laughs> Uh, most of the major remote viewers have uh, written books and have given lectures uh, that they have actually remote viewed uh, non-human intelligence uh, while they're doing remote viewing. Um, so, yes, it's, it's called mystical meditation, and it's an extremely common phenomenon. And, again, it's, this is a topic that's not associated with ufology, but we believe that it, it's a, a, con a contact modality involving consciousness where your, uh, uh, your spirit, your entity, is leaving your physical body and you're going to another reality, um, and there's a manipulation of space-time. So it's certainly... Uh, for your, your response and input, because I only ever did it the once, and I always thought, did that really happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. There's tons of people that I speak with that actually started, you know, uh, seeing UFOs. Okay, and now all of a sudden, like for example, let me give you another example um, in terms of the consciousness angle. Have you ever heard of the concept called CE5? No. Where people go out to a field or a desert together in groups. You could even go by yourself, okay? I've uh, attempted to call down a non-human intelligence. Some people say a cat, okay, uh, on five different occasions. Three times I was successful. Okay, uh, there's many people all over the world that are doing it. There's an organization called ET Let's Talk that hooks you up regionally um, in different countries and states uh, for other people that have a similar desire. And they go out and, you know, they call down uh, non-human intelligence. Right. Uh, it's called ET Let's Talk. So, again, it involves consciousness. It involves you with your mind, with your consciousness, you know, um, praying or meditating to see... Uh, lights in the sky, and lo and behold, boom, usually within 15 minutes, uh, in many, many cases. Uh, well, well, on that note, and I'm going to, you know, overdo my, my welcome here, but um, I read a book over 22 years ago, it's called The Celestian Prophecy, and uh, it changed my whole spiritual being and outlook, and it's got to do with energy, and uh, to a little bit about what you were just mentioning is that when I connect to someone and we're, 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 we're good friends, they can be on the other side of the world, and I'll get a flash, and I'll think about them. The next minute, no, they'll be calling me or texting me. Or, you know, I mean, do you think that's part of it? Well, it, it, um, there literally have been, you know, hundreds of ESP experiments, um, similar to what you've just mentioned. Um, uh, Dean Radin, who's a member of our organization, uh, he's conducted hundreds of these experiments. And also, uh, what's been demonstrated is that uh, it doesn't, uh, distance is, is not an issue here. It doesn't matter what distance is. You can actually influence um, um, uh, physical hardware 
uh, on, on the other side of, of the planet Earth um, with the random uh, generators. So, you know, what you've just stated is, is very factual. They've uh, de- uh, demonstrated in very scientific uh, research studies. But for materialists, uh, it's very difficult for them to comprehend this. They don't even bother to read these papers, okay? These are papers on ESP. Michael, thank you for the call. Ray, hold on. We'll take another time out. We'll come back and continue to delve into this remarkable topic. The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. of the system are asleep. Now we can play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. And welcome back. Ray Hernandez is one of the featured speakers at the UFO Megacon conference happening in Laughlin, Nevada, March 24th to the 30th. I want to go to the YouTube chat and a couple of questions coming in. Titus in the YouTube chat wants to know if blood type has anything to do with the experiences is it a commonality, etc.? Is that something that you yes, ask in your survey? Yes, we asked that in our survey, uh, what blood type they were, uh, they were, and we had um, uh, the various blood types. We also asked about RH negative blood, which is circulating in the Internet, and what we discovered was exactly 13.5% of the individuals stated that they had RH negative blood, and the uh, U.S. population is exactly 14%, at least from the study that I saw from the U.S. population. And so uh, I'm assuming that's also the worldwide population. So there is no difference in RH negative blood. That's just uh, one of the many fallacies that's circulating on the Internet. All right. Nicholas in the YouTube chat wants to know if there's any connection between DMT production of the body and contact experiences. And this gets into one of the contact modalities sort of the shamanistic experience and ayahuasca and so forth. But DMT is produced naturally in the body, correct? Correct. DMT might be a stimulant within the body to induce out-of-body experiences and for your consciousness to leave your body. In the study that Dr. Rick Strassman did when he administered DMT to uh, the subjects in his research study, that he conducted about 20 years ago, roughly half of those individuals had contact with non-human intelligence when they were administered DMT. So again, this is an experience where the consciousness leaves the physical body, people are going to other realities, and they're interacting with non-human intelligence. That's why we're including hallucinogenic journeys as one of the contact modalities under the auspices of consciousness. All right. Grant Cameron, noted Canadian ufologist. I'm sure you two have crossed paths and, and spoken on occasion. Uh, yes, and uh, he has talked a lot and, and written a lot about, and there's been really a, a, a transformation in Grant's entire view of the, of the UFO phenomenon. Now he's totally immersed in the idea of the consciousness connection. He's also written about the connection between, well, let's say, for example, musicians who feel they get 
inspiration or they get a song that is literally placed in their head as if they didn't write it. There is simply the receiver for this message. And I've talked to other musicians about this as well. I've done entire episodes about it. Of course, uh, there was a, 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 a book called Alien Rock that explored this whole phenomenon as well. Is that something that you've, you've researched at Free? Uh, artists getting inspiration and, and where does it come from? Well, we didn't specifically ask questions about artists, but we did ask those questions in general and also in phase three, which is the written responses to our 70 open-ended questions. Um, we determined that that phenomenon where people were given uh, direct information uh, is extremely common, extremely common. Um, let me just give you my own uh, information of, of what happened to me. Um, regarding this book, Beyond UFOs, um, I woke up on a Saturday morning, and again, a lot of these stories are hard to believe, but you could talk to Mary Rodwell and uh, Rudy Shields, and they'll tell you whether this was true or not. Um, I woke up on a Saturday morning, and I had all of the uh, chapters and all of the authors. Okay, and then I uh, of, uh, of what the book is going to be about, and then uh, I wrote it all up. Uh, it was about a three-page abstract. I sent it to Mary Rodwell. I sent it to Rudy Shields, and I told them exactly what happened. I woke up in my head. The only thing I didn't have was who was going to be writing the conclusion. Okay, I knew it had to be someone very, very big, but it wasn't given to me. So I sent it to Mary and Rudy, and both of them said, unbelievable, this is fantastic, go with it. So they gave me a green light. I started to call all of the uh, eventual authors of our chapter, chapter, and they all agreed to it. Uh, so all of those authors that you have there in our book, um, if you bring them any on our show, uh, tell them the story that I'm telling you right now. All of them will say that's exactly how it happened. And um, eventually, about a week later, uh, all of a sudden, the name Brad Steiger uh, popped into my head, and I remembered uh, I had read an article, a book about his interdimensional beings or something like that. I forgot what it was called. So I got a hold of his email. I sent him my outline, and I said, Brad, would you like to write the conclusion for our book? And he was like, uh, unbelievable. This is like my wife's, my life's dream, what you're doing with your book. And he wound up writing that conclusion in hospice he wrote that chapter a couple of weeks before he died this wow. is uh, there you go you know brad steiger remarkable listen i've got to take a quick time out ray we'll come back and we'll finish up a few more calls and questions remain for ray hernandez here on the conspiracy show stay with us If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now, 416-360-0740, or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Ray Hernandez stays with us. One more segment. Again, the uh, one of the four co-founders of FREE, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Experiences. Uh, that was a remarkable story about uh, Brad Steiger and how you arrived at uh, he would be the one to write the uh, the conclusion for your book. And um, 
we were discussing these uh, these downloads that come from somewhere and whether that's part of this whole phenomenon. And, of course, inventors talk about this all the time. Nikola Tesla, of course, uh, talked about this. Uh, I've interviewed many, many inventors, and, and almost all of them talk about how they use different verbiage, but basically what they're saying is you first you invent it in the dream world. That's sort of what we're talking about, isn't it? Yes, 100%. We asked also a question about science and physics downloads. 36% of the individuals have received science and physics downloads that uh, they just have no idea where it came from. These are people that uh, were able to pass basic uh, science class in high school. All of a sudden, they get these downloads of you know advanced quantum physics. So it's similar concepts. Um, Richard, if I, if I may, uh, we have Brad Steiger's chapter available for free in our website together with numerous other chapters from our book, again, for free. And uh, the website is consciousnessandcontact.org, consciousnessandcontact.org. Excellent. Let's go to the phones, and uh, we have Melanie from Toronto. Melanie, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning, Richard. You know I, I, I have to call in <laughs> on this topic. We're glad and to have you. Great. Yeah. And ask Gray, um, that, um, did anyone at the, uh, at the free, uh, the researchers have come to conclusion that some of the people who can answer all or most of them, the questions that fit the profile, do they think perhaps that those are incarnate from another place here on earth? Yes, Melanie, we asked various questions regarding incarnation. And approximately 80 to 85 of the individuals, percent of the individuals, uh, stated that they believe in reincarnation. And approximately 25% of the individuals that had contact with non-human intelligence were told by non-human intelligence that reincarnation is very real and also told them that um, uh, in the past that they were uh, an actual non-human intelligence in a previous life. So this is, they were told by non-human intelligence this, yeah. but overall, 80% believe that reincarnation exists. Okay. All right, Melanie, also, thank you. Just to let thank you, you know, for that. Go ahead, yes. and Jeffrey Long, uh, two of the leading MDE researchers in the world, they both firmly believe in reincarnation as well. All right, let's say hi to Skip, who's also checking in from Toronto. Hey, Skip, welcome aboard. Yes, I'm here, Richard, and um, I, I just want to ask Mr. Hernandez uh, certain questions. I find in my experiences, it seems as though as I experience one thing, I move from one level and I go to the next level, like I promote it from one level to the next level. The level that I am on right now, I find that I would be flipping and some entities communicating with me telepathically and I can uh, in my dream I see certain images and that, that's my cue to wake myself out of my dream so when I wake myself out of my dream and look up in, the, in front of me I may see like a smoke in front of me I start a point at the smoke and I see a couple of things it rises to the ceiling it left the ceiling I keep pointing it to wherever it's going and then it goes into a corner and disappear. I find it when I tell people about it they tell I'm the solution or whatever the case is. I, I know what I see and whatever the case is. <laughs> I categorize it as either misguided spirits or aliens or UFOs or some other entity. One time I had a 
situation where I wake up and there was a man's face in front of me. Then he kicked me out of my bed. And, you know, what I do, what I normally do when I don't understand certain things or I am scared, I speak in tongues. And I know whichever entity they are, they're supposed to know what tongues is. And sometimes they leave and they don't come back. But then somebody comes to visit me, they attach themselves to that person, and then they come right back inside. All right, Skip, we just have a few minutes. That's an amazing call. But I wanted to, you mentioned something that sounded a lot like lucid dreaming, and that is one of the contact modalities. Did you want to talk about that, Ray? Yes. Uh, actually, what this gentleman was talking about, uh, numerous of his concepts, I've heard it over and over again, and I've read it in our surveys. One is that there is a progression. Uh, many individuals start with a physical abduction, and 38% of the people in their first experiences see their experiences as highly negative. But then the vast majority of people are having more than 20 experiences. And what you get is towards the end of their experiences, it's become very, very spiritual, very transformative. It's like an evolution of, of taking you through all these progressions, like this gentleman said. And the higher level of the progressions is where you're having these um, human-looking beings that many individuals identify as masters bringing you to other realities and giving you spiritual teachings and concepts. Um, and these are people that started off with abductions, okay? Again, ufology doesn't talk about these things. Now, in terms of lucid dreams, that's one of the major components of a lot of experiences that people are having. However, we ask the individuals not to base their answers on hypnotic regressions or lucid dreams because that would tend to skew uh, uh, the data. We ask them to answer the questions based only upon conscious, explicit memories. But in phase three, which is the written responses to the open-ended questions, we allow them to ask, uh, to uh, inform us of memories based upon hypnotic regression and lucid dreams under the circumstances that they tell us. This came via a lucid dream. This came via hypnotic regression. This came via a mystical meditation or remote viewing, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I hope I answered your question. All right. Thank you for that, uh, Skip. Uh, we just have a couple minutes here. I, I just wanted to ask you the, the status of this uh, massive free survey. I know that it's been rolled out in different phases. I believe it started in 2015. In the spring of 2017, I think you released sort of the first tranche of data. Where are we at in this massive survey? Well, we've cut off the English language survey. We're still continuing with the Spanish language survey. We have 850 individuals. And within the next few months, we're going to be launching the survey in uh, Mandarin. And uh, we have a team of, um, of Chinese uh, researchers from Hong Kong, from Taiwan, and in mainland China that are going to be working on this research studying Chinese. Um, in terms of our next projects, we're having um, a second book, which is a theoretical book. The title of the book is titled Beyond Materialism, Beyond Materialism, The Science of Consciousness in Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. It's going to be a two-volume book, approximately 500 pages to each book. So we're going to have approximately 1,000 pages, and there's going to be 30 authors. Approximately 50 of them are going to be academic professors and medical doctors. Uh, and this is going to be getting us uh, to the question of, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what is your <laughs> hypothesis as to what the hell is going on? And then we're working right. on a documentary as well. 
Ray, uh, a great pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, in the meantime, people can uh, come down to Laughlin, Nevada, and see you speak at UFO Megacon happening March 24th to the 30th. And uh, they can also check out the website consciousnessandcontact.org. Thank you so much, Ray. So much, Richard. All right. My thanks to Faz and Ryan and uh, Albert back next week with uh, Dr. Cass Ingram and Open Lines. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.